Hi, and welcome to Leading with Style, a podcast about how fashion can unlock your style, ignite your confidence, and bring you more success in your fabulous life. My name is Libby Alloway, and for over three decades, I've loved working in the worlds of fashion and business. I'm a personal stylist, business mentor, public speaker, TV presenter, author, and most particularly, I'm on a mission to bring increased confidence to women through the transformative power of fashion and reconnecting you with the most important person in the room, you. You'll hear my personal style advice and hear from incredible women in leadership about how they rose to the top, stood out from the rest, and created success through leading with style. I'm so glad you've joined me. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. We are really lucky to be welcomed by the fabulous Antoinette Colbrand today, who's joining us on the Leading with Style podcast. Antoinette and I have known each other for many, many years. And, you know, I know a lot of you know from my newsletters and my website and my speaking that I don't believe that we need to have a title or initials after our name to be a great leader. And Antoinette over the years has probably been one of my litmus tests for how to be a great leader and how to be a great human. So I think she really is one of the great female leaders around. And I say this for a few reasons. No matter what is going on in her life, she always shows up. She's always got a lippy on. She's not afraid to be vulnerable. She really does have impeccable style and she knows the power and the impact the right outfit can have on our self-esteem. So Antoinette, let's dive in and hear a little bit about your thoughts on leading with style, what your career journey has been. And apart from being the owner of Benchmark Experts, which provides expert witnesses in personal injury law, you've also worked in politics and international hotels. And you're the author of one of my favorite books, Great Handbag, Don't Forget the Briefcase. And you're a keynote speaker sharing your story on the importance of women taking control of our finances. So we'll speak a little bit more about that. But can you just give us a quick overview of your history of your career and where you are right now? Surely. Delighted to. I started out uh, post-study and so forth in the public service. I was sort of plucked out of a business course in the end back in Canberra. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd gone to Teachers College to start a diploma in childhood, early childhood teaching. And um, so so I went into this job um, not really knowing that I wanted it, a little bit anti-public service, I have to admit. And (laughs) out of that, I was plucked again. I was headhunted out of that job to to go and work in um, a minister's office in Parliament House. Um, and that that minister was um, the health federal health minister in the Fraser days. For those who are a little bit older, uh, <laughs> will remember Malcolm Fraser um, very well. And um, and that was, I suppose, that was when I first thought, "Wow, that's the power of connection and people knowing you." But I had the person who asked me for that interview for that position. I had never met. It's just that. They used to ring up quite late, like half past five. That's really late in the public service in Canberra. They'd ring up at 5.30 and they'd ask if you could help them with something to get information to the minister's office for that night. Um, And I was always there to do it and happy to do it. And so he just said, I don't know, whenever I ask for something, you seem to be able to deliver it. (laughs) So I think you'd be great in a federal minister's office. So 
So I went off for the interview and I thought I had the job. And then he, and he said to me, oh, no, 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 you're one of three. You're oh. one of three applicants. But he introduced me to the minister and I was interviewed by the minister. And then he told me that the other two girls, this is post-interview, the other two girls were from within Parliament House. So I was competing with them, which I hadn't understood. And then the next day he rang me up and he said, welcome on board. Ah, the boss loves you. We'd like, and I and I immediately felt, so I was only about 23, and I immediately felt, oh, my God, how am I going to cope with this? 23? Oh. Yeah, I was quite young. I was quite oh. young. Wow. And because uh, I just returned, you know, from, from Wagga. Anyway, so that, that was sort of my first job. Now, then, of course, we got kicked out of there when Bob Hawke came in as Prime Minister, and we knew we'd be kicked out because he was the populist person, and we just knew that we were done. Um, but I was, again, offered an opportunity then to stay on and run the shadow minister's office. Um, and there were only me and the boss. There was only two of us. And then in the electorate, which was in Sydney, DY to Palm Beach is the electorate, um, you've got another two or three back then. Now they have about 23 in each office. It's huge. Oh, mm. Back then you had two or three. And so I ran all the media and programs and whatever else was required. And then when we went on election campaigns, which we probably had three in that eight to ten years, um, then I'd go, I'd, I'd go on the campaign with the boss, and um, we would do whatever was required to do. So that was a fantastic opportunity for me because it was one I'd never envisaged. Um, at the end of that time, um, one of my colleagues, who we we sort of employed part time, was coming up to open to start off ICAC and hiring Tembi QC uh, when Nick Reiner became Premier in New South Wales after a long time uh, with Labor. And so he said to me, Would you, do you want to come and help me set up? We're setting up ICAC. And, and I said, look, I will, but I'm only coming for about nine months because I've had enough. I needed to get out and do something else. So yeah. I did that. And then I said, right, time's up. And I left. And I, that, that's when I sought other people to see what I could do in terms of headhunting. I did a bit of headhunting. And then after that, I was invited to um, uh, apply for uh, a meeting with the managing director of an Australian firm, Radisson Hotels. Um, and they had a very big international base. They had about 320 around the world, but they didn't have anything in Australia. And so they kicked off Radisson Hotels Australia and they hired me, he hired me and made me a corporate human resources director, which now is called the people services, whatever. It's all very different now, but it was an HR director. So I traveled to Asia. I went all over the place opening hotels for the Australian company. What a great. Yeah, it was great. And so those two, yeah, changed your politics. Well, it was in a way, but you got very used to deadlines because in politics, you have to remain calm and you have to be able to manage whatever that deadline is. And you usually have to manage it on your own. You mm. can't sort of be calling this one and that one. And, and don't forget in those days, no mobile phones. We had a telex. And in the opposition days, the telex was in John Howard's office. And so you'd go up and line up, are you finished? Because I need to send mine now. And this is what used to happen. It was amazing. Like waiting for the bathroom in a dormitory, you know, very, very much the way it was. But we had the best time. You worked so hard. 
and you, you know, after the end of the parliamentary sitting night, sometimes 2am in those days, you'd sit in the corridor and you'd share a bottle of wine. It was so much fun. But yeah. um, and you come home at the end of the sitting where you'd be so exhausted, your eyes would be hanging out. But so I had that and I had hotels. And then after that, um, I did a couple of other things. But then I kind of got into this business, Benchmark Experts, because this is one of the corners of the much bigger business. We had a multi-million dollar turnover business that was totally affected by the law in New South Wales around workers' comp. And so that meant uh, selling our house, selling our investments, all of those things, and it absolutely changed our lives. As mm. it did floors, floors of chambers where barristers had floors of chambers and they were told by the then Premier Bob Carr to go and retrain in another area of the law because it would no longer be as it had been. So that was, that was a huge change for us mm. in our family, personally. Um, but... Boy, you learn. You learn so much through those things. Yeah. And so, Anne, you've, you've commented or mentioned two really big words that I love to talk about, connection and resilience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my question for you is what three key traits do you think make up a good leader? And I wonder, mm -hmm. are connection and resilience part of that? Yeah, very, very definitely. So your connectivity, I think, can be with the people you employ in your teams. I think that's terribly important. Um, and I, I also think the recruitment aspect of that is very important too, because you need to surround yourself with people who need to do the things that you can't do. That makes a good leader. A good leader is also someone who listens. A good leader is also someone who totally leads by example. And if there are things, you know, we, we all know that story where people say, look, I'm better off paying someone, contracting that out to have someone come in and do that work because I can make this sort of money running the business that I'm running. That holds so, so true. You have to, I think, as a leader, I think you really have to have a look at the status quo and you work out what should be contracted out, what you should do yourself and what the people in the team around you are good at and what they can do. Because one of the other fundamentals about a really good, fine leader, I think, is, is giving um, credence to the people around you and, the, and, and letting them know that you've got trust in them to be able to do things. That's terribly important because that gives you productivity boost to your workforce or your team, um, allowing them to do it. So the connectivity is very important. The resilience, well, that's just part of it, your every day. So we all know that not every day can be a U-butte one. My day has been a little bit improved today as opposed to yesterday, um, <laughs> only because I was doing a massive research to get some very hard-to-get experts for this, um, this business. And you've got to match the experts with the legal case or the claim. So really tough gig. And I'll, I'll have law firms say to me, oh, look, I've been trying for six months. I can't find anyone. I'm giving it to you now. And I just, I'm so tenacious that I'm determined to get that person. And so I comb Australia and I end up getting them. Now that's resilience. Mm -hmm. Resilience also very much, I think, when you're in a position where you do, you know, things do affect you as has affected me uh, financially over the last 15 years. Massive, massive 
lifestyle change and, and eliminating a lot of choice that was always there and available. Um, but building resilience is important because that's the only way you can move on, the mm -hmm. only way it can happen. So, yeah, the two, those two things are very important. And do you have another little wise word of wisdom of what makes Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the, well, I think leading by example, I think that's terribly important. And I think as we're talking style, everybody has an individual style, but I think it's very important to maintain that style and be consistent. And that can extend to your attitude. That doesn't just have to be the clothes you wear. Um, I think um, style is style is a very individual thing. But if you're talking about a style of leadership, be consistent in it. Um, you know, don't don't sort of ebb and flow and change because that is just confusing for those people around you. And and leading by example, being a bit, little bit of a beacon, um, so that that people know that you're the go-to person. You know, in your industry, you want to be the go-to person. You want them to 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 ring you or, or email you like couple of my lawyers did the other day and say, I've been looking for ages, it's over to you. Can you help me? That's what you want. You, you want to be known as the go-to person. And I think if you're not visible with your team as a good leader, and if you're not visible out there in the marketplace, that is very much going to affect your bottom line and your productivity. Visibility and style are another two things that are really joined. Yeah. Uh, and I love that and I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. And I wonder, do you think we're going to talk about ageism as we're coming up, but do you think we get better at that as we get older? We we are more vulnerable, hopefully more resilient, and you know, we understand that there that style isn't about what we wear. It is mm -hmm. absolutely about how we show up. And I guess, you know, as you've just said, you want to be that person in your industry, the go-to person. And you mm -hmm. are must be like this because you're easygoing, you get it done, you get the job done, you'll fall off your chair before you say no to anybody. Yeah. You can't yeah. get done. And it, people just learn to rely on you. They learn to, learn to rely on your yeah. lovely attitude, mm. the fact that you're going to do it. They know you're going to do it and you're consistent in that message. Mm. So do you think that being older or shall I say wiser makes mm. us better at that or do you think sometimes where there's a lot of, you know, younger women particularly coming up through the ranks who are really good at that? Oh, there are. There are undoubtedly the younger ones are. Um, I've got two daughters at the moment. One's 27, one's 24. They're both overseas. One of them is is doing, Isabella, the older one, is doing her master's in Sweden. Now, you know, I put myself in those shoes. Yes, I was probably moving in, in those circles uh, to, to, to go and do short-term stuff um, or, or election campaigns or whatever and going and opening hotels. Yeah, I, I probably faced similar, but she has made the decision to go to Sweden to do her masters. She won't be back till the, till February sometime. She's wow. over there now. The younger one has just gone for a holiday to Europe, which I think is fabulous. I always encourage younger people to do, to follow their heart and do those things. I think they bring an exceptional presence and an update on, on uh, technology. They bring an update on our attitude. And they certainly bring an update on things like social media. I think where ageism is concerned with, with us old old girls 
it's more about being seasoned. You know, we're seasoned because we've kind of been through things before where we've had to dig ourselves out or we've had to um, rescue something, a situation which could be us or could be our business. So we're better at that because we've been there and then we've done that. It doesn't mean we bring the right stuff to the table. Mm. The younger ones can also do that. And I think, you know, with and you've got a daughter and a son exactly the same. I think they, um, they just bring a, an enormous freshness to things. What sometimes I feel they can break down um, or the area they can break down in is maybe that they don't understand a lot of the fundamentals of strength and that I think comes with um, with growing older and more and more experience. And also I think people sometimes say, oh, you know, women, we're the worst enemies of ourselves because we don't congratulate, we don't celebrate our wins, we don't, all oh, various things that they say. And I, I say, oh, I don't know about that. I think we're pretty good at, I think most mostly we're pretty good at just giving ourselves a virtual pat on the back or whatever to say well done. But I know there are pockets of women who won't congratulate another woman because they see that as um, some sort of a threat. I've never understood that. Ever. Never. I never. don't know what happens. It never. does happen. But I think, um, I think we probably understand and I think with maturity it comes to the younger ones too that being introduced to somebody and shaking their hand you know out of COVID post-COVID um, is something that's a really really important thing to do to leave a lasting impression there's a, there's a show of strength with us um, because we are seen as being uh, of, of knowing our stuff and perhaps own, owning our own feelings and thoughts. Um, that doesn't mean that sometimes we lose it and we feel more vulnerable or we feel um, less confident. That happens to all of us at any age. But I think that's a really important thing. You're, the way you turn up is very important in terms of the impression in, the, as you say, very cleverly, Lib, in your introduction, that first three seconds, it's amazing oh, the impact that that has. Hugely amazing. Yeah. And I do think yeah. as business women, as young girls coming out of grad school, and we underestimate the incredible importance of those first three minutes, the fact that you shake someone's hand and look them in the eye and you mm -hmm. turn up and it's three seconds and that's all it that's takes. Right. You, that's, that's make it. or break. That is make yeah. or break. I loved yeah. what you said about other women congratulating other women. And I, and I think, gosh, if I've got one thing I can do in this fabulous life that we're living is to support women to feel confident enough yes. so that mm. they don't fear um, don't fear celebrating the wins of other women. I think a lot mm. of the case, I don't know if you all agree with this, but a lot of the times women don't want to celebrate other women because it, then they might think that it's not elevating themselves or it's decreasing their That's level right. of experience or yeah. wealth yeah. in what they're doing. But mm. I think there's so women just are so great at giving and mm. I'd like to think that we could all step into our own power and give back and support other women, which takes me to my my next question. Mm. As a certain 
well, we both do, of a wise age that we're at. I'm not going to say old. I'm going to say wise because we're wise and experienced. Do you feel that there is a definite need and our responsibility as women leaders in our own right to share with other women and young girls coming through, coming up the ranks on how we did it, how we turned up, Talk about your, you know, you said vulnerability and resilience and maintaining your style and those first three seconds. How much, how much importance do you place on, you know, sharing your information with other women coming through the ranks? Oh, it's it's very important. And, you know, women love other women's stories and younger younger girls love other women's stories because you you just provided you present it well and you throw in a bit of humour, they're inspired. They can't help being inspired by that because, you know, one of the one of the most interesting uh, speaking topics is your own story oh, with, so all of it, with all of its warts and all, you know, so that they can see, oh, how did you get out of that? How did you get out of that? You dug yourself out of it. This is how I did it. Um, I get those comments a lot when I public speak on my my book, um, Great Handbag, and also when I talk about that subject of building resilience after massive change. So, you know, they they I think you you, you I think we need to share um, a lot of things because people don't. You know, it's like when you go to a funeral, you hear these amazing eulogies. Oh, I know. Think, I wish I'd known that when that person was alive. I know There's so much history, especially with much, much older people when, when they pass on. There's so much history and you think, oh wow, I didn't know that. So, you know, much so yeah, sharing and telling very and so very. much wisdom. Absolute mm. wisdom yeah. to be shared. To share. That's what we that's what we're here for. Yep. And you mentioned your fabulous book. Let's talk about your <laughs> fabulous book. So Great Handbag, Don't Forget the Briefcase, which is truly, I, I'm not just saying this, and it's one of my favourite books. It's not very big, but it certainly has um, it certainly has impacted me with the messages that you've sent or shared in that book. What was your purpose for for writing the book and how has the book gone and how do you share what your information that's in your book, valuable information that's in yeah. the book? Well, I think, it, first of all, it was a cathartic measure at the time because I'd gone through shock and, you know, lower the bottom, bottomless pit and all that stuff but trying to deal with it all. But I think the other thing too is that it gave me the opportunity to share the story. So to share the story with other women, women will always come up to me and say, oh, we went through some of that or that happened to our business or whatever they might say. And I think it's um, I think it's just very important to share your knowledge, mm -hmm. um, but more particularly the methods that you engaged in order to turn things around. You know, so everybody can listen to a woe story, but then they're really inspired by what you did to turn it round or change things or make life better. And so, so that's, that's, and it, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the book has gone well. I've, I still, I'm still selling it, um, and uh, I still, you know, the opportunity to speak. Uh, or which I just love to do. It's, I just love being on my feet. 
Um, and, and you're and very good at it, I might add. <laughs> just spreading, yeah, getting the message out there that, you know, things can look so bleak and so bad at some times in our lives. Um, sometimes when things like that happen, you don't think you'll ever smile again. And no. yet it's, you can dig yourself out, change things, make things better. May not be the way it used to be, but you can certainly always improve things to make life better again. And I remember at that time, because we were friends at that time, what you were going through at that time. And I know that, and again, you showed up every single day, you had your lippy on, you just kept moving forward one step at a time. And, you know, often there were times behind the behind the scenes that things probably weren't going as well as it looked on the outside. But that was your level of resilience that just kept, helped you kept going. And yeah. You know, gosh, we've got a whole conversation we can have around your book. But um, what has the impact, do you think, of your book had on or writing the book had on you and feedback that you've got from other people about your book? Oh, I think it's it's just people got lessons out of it. People will say to me, oh, I remember reading this about it, you know, and, and I remember this part in the book. So yeah. you know they've taken it in. That's fantastic. It's 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 an opportunity to give you really good feedback, um, really good feedback, so that you you know um, that people have actually listened and read and thought about it. Yeah, um, I love I love that. I think that's really good because it means it's you've actually produced something that's been of help. Um, somebody sorry. the other day asked me for my slide. Um, show you know my my uh, slide stacker so that she could actually give those slides to her daughter um because oh. she thought that would be good for her to see and that's very much inspirational stuff about building that resilience and stepping up whatever the problem might be yeah and just no, on that, it's a couple of questions where can people get your book okay so they can buy it from me just from my website which Wait. is antoinettecolbrand.com.au Okay, I'll put and that on there. If they go on my website, they'll see book and then they can order the book online. That's the best way. If they're local and they're in Mossman, then the Little Three Sparrows bookshop near the Mossman Post Office sells it. Very uh, nice. Lovely Julia in there, she sells it. Um, it makes a great gift. It makes a great gift for younger girls too. You know, it really does because it's such a it's a light read, but mm -hmm. the but what I love about the book is that there are so many powerful steps. And just for our listeners, it really is about supporting women to take control of their finances, which is something we all have to do um, yeah. and something we all need to encourage our younger girls to do because it's, well, you know, it, it can make or break you. And Absolutely. We just don't pay enough attention to it because it's not fun and it's not fluffy. And but it's mm. it's the most the biggest pillar in your life, effectively one of them anyway. Oh, it is. It's it's a responsibility. We have a responsibility to know well, what's. Going I can on only on say thank you to you for being so vulnerable and writing that book because it must have been. You know, there's a lot of personal stuff in it, and it's a really, really, really great book. And one thing in the book, Anne, I'd love you to share with us is that talking about style, I remember exactly where I was on the day. I was feeling really lousy and just had one of those off days, as we often do. And there were two things in the book I, I can't remember them verbatim, but one was about get up and go for a swim, which mm -hmm. I did, which was in your book. It was Ooh. something to do with that. And yeah. it, 
It, just reading that one snippet, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go and dive in the ocean. I do not feel like it. I just want to lie with my head under the pillows. But yeah. the book sort of saved me on that day. And then there was another thing that I wanted to ask you. There's a bit in the book about wearing jeans. Put on your, take off your tracky pants. And yes. Put on, what is that? Yeah. No, what that quote is, it's take off your caftan ah. and put on your skinniest pair of jeans. Well, there we go. Meaning, meaning. Um, that it, it, and it's someone else's quote, um, but what it means basically is present yourself as you are, warts and all, so that you can do a proper assessment. Don't don't sort of mask or cover up or or put on a facade if you really want to have a good look at things. And it's like when you're looking at your business or your business figures or anything like that. You know, that's that's what we need to do. You just need to look at it. As it is, so skinny, skinny jeans go on. Caftan goes off. Caftan well, can go on later at the cocktail hour. <laughs> nothing's hiding with those skinny jeans these days. I have to tell you, <laughs> but great advice. I just love it. And and there's some just talking about skinny jeans, uh, which mm. I don't believe is. Uh, have a place in the workplace at all. But we're looking at a new workplace work code I suppose dress code what yeah. do you think uh where where do you think we're at with a post-covid workplace dressing yeah. code well, there seems to be, there seems to be a, a real escalation of pants doesn't there um, <laughs> yeah. you know like and, and, and pants suits you know sort of the not quite the Hillary Clinton look but you know so a, a really nice jacket and and a cami under it or, or a little shirt that you could take the jacket off if the aircon's gone crazy and then some tailored pants or a skirt that that uh, that is really I think what should be worn but I also see girls coming and going with beautiful dresses on still so they're still dressing up that way mm. um but I think I I think what's what's happened is there's just a more casual look about it. And casual is fine if it's put together properly. Mm -hmm. I think I said to you in one of the replies on your LinkedIn post, you know, get rid of the scuff shoes. There's nothing worse than being oh. behind someone on the escalator and they've got scuff shoes. It's terrible. You know, that sort of stuff is, I'm not talking about a few little bits at the front. I'm talking about a real scuff or a bit of leather off at the back, that sort of stuff. We've now got the opportunity to wear fabulous little sneakers and look really, really neat in those. Mm -hmm. It's a neatness, it's a cleanliness, it's a, a sharp image that I think is important. Wear makeup, not wear makeup. I don't know what I don't know what the rules are in the offices, and some would have them, and others would certainly not. But I think neatness, uh, clean hair, all of those things—they're the really important things. There was something else that I was just going to say. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I heard very recently that Thursdays are the new Fridays. So Thursdays when they go out for office drinks, because on Fridays most of them are back working from home. Yes. Love yes. that. Love that. And if you go into the city on the bus or something like that and you're sort of there, you know, around about midday, you look around, there's some fabulously dressed girls, sensibly with the sneakers on and the heels in the hand or the little bag that accompanies or whatever, but still beautifully dressed in either dresses or suits that may be skirts. But, you know, I I I think um, de rigueur, really, what works and what, uh, what the workplace 
you know, whatever their um, their mantra is for what people should wear to work. I just I just think it needs to be put together properly. It doesn't it need to does. be incredibly expensive. It just needs to be put together. That's where a styling consultant comes in. Oh, thank you very much. Exactly. For the little thank, thank you, Antoinette. That would be great. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Colours and all those things. Because I know you and I love talking about fashion, love it. Yeah. And it's more than fashion, isn't it? It's about, mm-hmm. it's a reflection of the level of um, self-esteem that you have for yourself and the impact that you want to give off about who you are. So you turn yeah. up in those scuffed shoes it's mm. going to give the wrong message and it's not yes. about the frivolousness of fashion at all. It's about the how you've put yourself together and have you got enough, um, oh, I just lost the word, have you got enough self-esteem to be able yes. to dress up and show up? And yeah. I think that's where we can we can definitely benefit and differ in mm. this post-COVID, well, this post-COVID yeah. period we find ourselves yeah. in. definitely. And so tell me, over the last 10 years, how have, you, have mm. your style habits changed? Have your shopping habits changed? What's mm. changed in your style? I think, I think I'll probably pay, I think I'll probably pay a bit more or I, I'm sort of in a bit more attracted to designer stuff because I just know I'm going to have it for a lot longer mm. and I like it. If I buy something on a whim from somewhere because it's on a sale or something I get so upset with myself because I just think mm, yeah it looked money. okay then but it's really a waste of money mm. so I think those things are important I think it needs to be considered approach there's some fabulous brands out there um and you know a lot of those really really good brands uh, still go on sale plenty of times um and david jones of course is always a fantastic spot because they're all around you and you one-stop shopping if you like but yeah coordinating and putting it together and just colors and you know i I probably need to do a bit more in the colors space too but i know what i like and i go for that i think you do color really really well and it's exciting you can turn up you kind of know like i love green i've got navy this is dark navy it looks like black but it's actually navy this is a co-shirt a friend of mine gave me this shirt for a gift um and i just love it i love it um so you know working from home you you've just put your little earrings on see yeah yeah and you've got this sort of thing on I, did, I could have put a necklace on, but I have not. Um, but I won't sit here in the gym gear. I just will not do that. And so tell, I me do that, that then, tell me why uh, that is. Tell me why that is. Share with the listeners. Because you've got to be part of the business every hour of the day. Oh my you God. know, you've got to be either working on it, hopefully, and not in it. I seem to be working in it more than I'm working on it. But, you know, that, that stuff is... I, I just think unless you're one of those girls who can sit in that stuff all day and still be totally focused on what you're doing, and that probably sounds really silly because I'm sure that there are women who can do that. It's just not me. No, but you so know, I've got to have the lipstick on. I've got to have the lipstick on. It's it's about there's actually a scientific there are scientific studies that show yeah. that even yeah. though you're not thinking you're feeling relaxed yeah. and comfy when you're in a gym gear, yeah. it, it 
does something to your brain and it signals to your brain that you're in comfy mode. So exactly. you are That's speaking right. my love language when you talk about uh, working yeah. from home and dressing up. Yeah. We have to do it. Yeah. I think we have to do it. I've always had, had to do it. Um, and yeah. I just... I just think it it just puts you in that mode, and and I think that that is um, I just think that that's really really important, you know, to, to be in, be in the right the right frame of mind in order to make some good decisions that day. It's just a personal thing, but it seems to work. Well, it does, <laughs> and scientific studies have proven it. So, and yeah. Colbrand, as we finish off. Do you have some last-minute words of wisdom that you can share with us on anything really, leading with style, connection, resilience, building your business, working with teams? What's your what's your special secret sauce? I think um, in terms of leadership and um, presentation and things like that, I think if you feel, if you are out there and you kind of are looking for some help, and that can be with anything. That can be a mind matter. Um, that can be a, a house cleaner, uh, office cleaner, whatever, whatever it might be. Contract that stuff out. So if you think, and people will often say to me, oh, you've got such great style. I love your clothes. I am hopeless. I am hopeless at choosing clothes, they say to me. And well, I say, go and get some help because there's great stylists out there who can take <laughs> you with them with the your budget. Yeah. yeah, with your budget. So go and get some help. Um, I do love I think that's yeah, sorry. Sorry. I think that's a terribly important thing to do. If you're not good at it yourself, bring in the people around you who are. So that applies to staff very definitely. You can be lucky and go into a shop and and I always say, please tell me if I look 102 in this or if I look dowdy or if I look, you know, 24 stone or whatever I might look. I really prefer to know. And you'll get the old seasoned girls will say that. And often the younger girls will say, you know what? I think that colour's better on you than that colour. That's what you want to hear. You want to hear that because that's the honesty. Out there. Yeah, the honesty. And I think, um, yeah, just be a little bit vulnerable. I think that's important. Know your figures. That's important as a leader, whether you're running a corporation or whether you're actually running your own business and you've got a team around you. Just make sure you know your figures. Have and and adapt a responsibility to uh, financial um, uh, knowledge. Mm. Um, the other thing that I always say when I speak, and I've said this a lot in that book, is equip yourself with skills. Make sure you've got skills in case things do break down in your family through death or divorce or whatever, so that if you are at that stage where you need to go out and look for work and you're 60, you can because you've got some skills. You've got some certificates. You've achieved something apart from your life skills so that you and, – and I think I think that's terribly important. We all need to keep learning. You know, I work with doctors and, and psychiatrists and engineers all the time in, in expert witness um, business, and I'm telling you, those guys are always flipping off somewhere or another to update the skills because mm. it's so important to keep up to date. It doesn't matter if you're a brain surgeon, you still have to be kept up to date on the latest equipment out there and the latest methods, methodologies of surgery, all that stuff. So whatever your industry 
keep yourself updated. Don't think you know it all because there may just be a time where things do change and all those decisions and all of that um, just capacity to, to be able to, to get on and manage life and pay for your daily needs could end up in your lap. It yeah. very definitely could. It did with me. And you've got to be able to have the capacity to go forward and take that on and step up and do what you need to do. And that's the best advice ever. I'm sitting here quite humbled that you have shared that. It is really so important that we all, you know, take control. We must take control of our finances, whether we're a woman in business for ourselves Mm. or or in an organisation. And quick question. So, and I know you do keynote speeches for corporates. Um, which is, again, so important to share that knowledge with so many people. And you do it in such a nice, lighthearted way. So it's quite fun and interactive and interesting. And um, I wonder if people want to get hold of you for corporate speaking, how do they find you? Oh, and your book. Oh, my God, the book. Yes, the same The same way, really, just the website, antoinettecolbrand.com.au. That's okay. the website. So uh, they, that's the best way because they can leave a message there and they can they can purchase the book. Absolutely, yeah, I'm, I'm available to speak. Um, I've got a few things coming up um, and I'm going to do a couple of webinars next year um, as well. I'm going to write a paper for TAFE New South Wales I've been asked to do. These are all, again, these are opportunity to share the methods engaged and also the humps and the bumps along the way. There's a lot of those. Um, I think, yeah, I think determ- absolute determination. You you just make a decision that you won't crumble. You just won't crumble. You're not going to give in to that. And therefore, you know that once you've made that decision and you push fear out of your mind, that you then can take slow steps, baby steps often, but engage in things that are going to make you more resilient to that change and make you capable of offering more out there to share your story on that note boy oh boy oh boy wow okay so that was absolutely amazing Antoinette thank you so much we'll put all your details in the show notes so people can contact you and what an incredible interview thank you very very much for sharing all your vulnerability everything so kind of love a chat (laughs) lovely thank you and we will see you when we launch the podcast thank you so we much will. and thanks thanks Liban. and what a great job you're doing by, by having that podcast it's wonderful i love it it's really really good oh, it's I love just you. another That's flavor good. yet another flavor in a podcast love it fantastic thank you have a happy day bye and you too Liz. bye thanks for listening to leading with style i'm passionate about supporting women radiate confidence presence and magnetism through the fabulousness of fashion Jump on over to the website to see how we can work together through one-on-one styling sessions, virtual styling sessions and corporate style workshops. And while you're there, don't forget to download your free seasonal capsule wardrobe guide and discover how you can create over 30 looks with just 10 items.